So have you ever been on a trip and you found yourself uncomfortable and you needed to rest your head and all you had to use were a hoodie or a sweater or a jacket and you scrunched it up and you did everything that you could but you just couldn't hit the sweet spot and get comfortable? Well, today I have somebody on this show that can help you out with that. And that is Georgia McKinney. She is the inventor of the flight fellow. And she is somebody that I actually met through the Collaborate app of all things a few years ago when I was trying to figure out how to monetize Instagram, which I probably need a lot more lessons than the off the cuff lessons that I took. But her and Georgia and I, we worked together on that project and it was really cool and fun. And somehow we've managed to stay in contact through social media. And Georgia is here on Mark My Words today. So welcome to the show, Georgia. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on your show. Oh, no problem. It's uh, great to have you. And Certainly when I was thinking about guests to get this ramped up, you were pretty close to the top of my list. You have a very interesting background and you've done a lot of really cool stuff, especially when it revolves around the flight fellow. And I know that this is something that you're doing and have had pretty good amount of success while working a nine to five job. And we're going to talk about all that today. And first of all, I guess I just want to kind of give you the opportunity to talk a little more about the flight fellow and what it is and why you decided to invent it. Yeah. So flight fellow is the reinvented travel pillow. Um, Basically, it allows you to turn any hoodie, sweater, or jacket into a neck pillow. It gives you all the benefits of a neck pillow without any of the hassle. So the flight pillow, it fits in your pocket, it's machine washable, and it adjusts to your own comfort. And so I am a frequent traveler. I love to travel. I do a lot of weekend trips. And before flight fellow, I would always have that internal debate with myself when packing for a trip on should I or should I not bring my neck pillow with me? Because while I want the comfort of a neck pillow, I hated the inconvenience of having to carry it around. And God forbid that my neck pillow touched something gross. Like one time it touched the wall of the bathroom stall and I was so grossed out by it. Um, I couldn't wash it because it had these micro beads in it. So I just had to throw away my new neck pillow and it was such a waste and I was really disappointed. So after having all of these internal debates with myself before every trip, um, one of them, I had opted to leave my neck pillow at home, but then I flew on one of those budget airlines. Um, so the seats are really uncomfortable. And in desperation, I was crunching up my sweater that I had with me. And I found that if I had rolled it a certain way, it felt the same as my neck pillow. And so that's kind of where the idea started. But then I found that anytime I moved, my uh, sweater would unravel a bit and I would lose some of the comfort. And so I kept thinking to myself, if only I had something to keep my sweater just like this, it would be great. And so that's why I invented the flight fellow. 
and initially I had only thought of it for my own internal or personal use. I didn't think I was going to manufacture it or bring it to market, but then my family and friends were all wanting one too whenever I traveled with them. And everyone talked about how they always had the same internal debate too. And so that's when I realized that I wasn't the only one that had this problem. And since I was able to solve my own problem, I wanted to bring it to market to help others as well. So that's kind of what kicked it all off. I never thought I would be an inventor, never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I actually took an entrepreneurship class in college um, just because I wanted an easy A and I heard that was an easy capstone class. And the whole time I was in it, I was like, this is cool, but you know, corporate America, that's for me. I want to work for like the big businesses. I didn't think I was fit to be an entrepreneur. And um, now I laugh at that because here I am. So at what moment did you say, you know what? I don't want to do corporate America. I should become an inventor. Like, did this happen in the, I, I feel like you already might have answered this, but did it actually happen during the entrepreneurial class or did it happen no. once you got into corporate America? It happened years after the entrepreneurship class, after I've already been in corporate America. And I didn't invent Flight Fellow to get away from it. I actually love my corporate job. I still work it um, and I'm very happy there. So it was never um, intended to be an escape from that. Um, it was just an opportunity that I saw and I wanted to seize it. So I still work um, my corporate job during the day and then I work on flight fellows um, during the nights and weekends. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's what people like me are doing and so many other people are, especially with the way the online world has evolved over the past few years everybody well not everybody i guess quote unquote everybody are starting to open up their eyes and see that hey there's more out there than just a nine to five mm -hmm. job and i know you said you love your nine to five job but you you definitely of course want to turn this into a career and would like to would you like to turn into something bigger like do you have any other ideas for a flight fellow yeah so i would love flight fellow to grow um and i do have some other ideas for how to grow flight fellow um some different variations of the flight fellow that will probably eventually come to market in the next few years um currently i'm focusing on my original flight fellow and making sure that is successful. And then once um, that really takes off, then I'll be ready to add um, other variations to let people choose from. And what variations, do you have any idea what that looks like? Yeah, so um, it's solving other problems that other people have um, commonly when traveling. So one example is that Flight Fellow is going to have a pocket in it where you could put your chapstick, your headphones, even your passport, anything like that. Um, that way when you fold up the Flight Fellow and you put it in your pocket very seamlessly, when you sit down in your airplane seat and you don't have to go through all these different um, pockets in your backpack looking for your headphones or looking for something small that usually gets lost at the bottom and you have to unpack everything. Um, and then also another variation is Flight Fellow having drawstrings on either end of it 
That way it turns into a little pouch where you could fit a lot more than what you would just fit in the small pocket. So um, you could fit an eye mask in there. You'd be able to fit um, your wallet, passports, all of that. It turns it into a little bag when you're not using it um, as a neck pillow. And then whenever you are ready to unpack the stuff for your flight, then you have everything out and then it's free to turn your sweater into a neck pillow. Oh, that's pretty cool. So it's yeah. going to turn into like a, almost like a little travel bag and pillow at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So that's part of the plan. So I, I have a flight pillow, thanks to you. And I know the process for using it, which when, when you say process, it's like, you know, how many steps are there that might sound a little intimidating, but I know it's not intimidating. Uh, you put an actual little guide on the flight pillow packaging to show you how yes. you do it. Can you just kind of explain for those who haven't seen it or used it, just how easy it is to use? Yeah, so essentially the flight pillow, I actually have one here. Um, for those that are just listening to audio, you can't really see it, but you could picture it as a sleeve, um, like the sleeve that you would see on one of your uh, long sleeve shirts. And essentially you take the body of your hoodie, jacket, or um, sweater, and you roll it up, and then you put the body of your sweater into the body of the flight pillow and you pull the arms out from the side. So the flight pillow has two openings on the sides for the arms to be pulled through. And then you have um, your neck pillow. Awesome, yeah, we've used the flight pillow on our road trips and my, my wife loves it. I mean, Good. It, it really does give you that comfort when you're sitting in like the passenger seat that just folding up your hoodie or sweater just doesn't give you. It gives you a lot of stability for your neck and uh, keeps it from rolling mm -hmm. around. And I mean, I, I think it's really great. Um, so just getting away from the actual product itself, I know that you also tried out for Shark Tank. And yeah. uh, that was a process that you posted about a lot on social media and was really exciting. And could you just kind of uh, talk about that process and what that was all like for you? Yeah, so I auditioned for season 11 of Shark Tank and made it to the third round of auditions. So the process to apply for Shark Tank is the first round you submit something um, via email to them. So this is before the, um, the casting calls open. So this is around November timeframe and I sent an email to their casting crew and then they sent me an email back once they had opened up the audition process with a link for me to fill out an online form telling them about my product. I submitted a few photos of the product and then gave them the website to check out. And so then a few months passed by, and about three months later, I heard back, I got a, an email asking to have a phone interview, and I had 30 minutes notice. So that was kind of crazy. Um, I ended up leaving my corporate job a little bit early so I could do the phone interview in the car. 
And uh, that was not what I had envisioned for that process. I always thought that if I made it to that next round of interviews, that I would be able to prep for it and know when it was going to happen. I thought it would be similar to a regular phone interview for your job where you can have your resume in front of you and talking points written down and just very prepared and ready to go. But due to the 30 minutes notice, that was not the case. And I ended up just having to wing it in my car. And um, after that, they moved me on to the next round, which is the third round, and that is a video um, audition. And so they email you a list of questions that they want you to answer during your video. And I had four days to film it. So essentially, they said they wanted to have it in hand um, within seven days, and I had to physically mail them a USB. And so in order to make sure it got to them in time, I only had four days to film it, edit it, get it all done. And um, I'm not good at filming. I don't have a professional video camera. I don't know how to edit anything. So I panicked a little bit. Um, but I was really excited for the opportunity. And the opportunity just taught me so much too. And so I always knew that I wanted to wear a Flight Fellow t-shirt during this audition video. And I thought that I would have a lot more notice before that too, so I didn't have anything already created. And turns out, getting something professionally created, it takes a lot longer than four days, and I needed to get started on the video right away. So I ended up having to think on the spot, and I went to Joanne Fabrics, and I got one of those plain t-shirts and some iron-on paper and printed out the logo and ironed it on myself that night uh, just so I could have a flight below t-shirt to wear in the video. And so then I answered the questions um, to myself. Like I wrote down what I wanted to say to answer the questions that they wanted to go through in the video, but being able to say everything I wanted to say right away um, in the video without much editing since I don't know how to do that turned out to be a lot more difficult. Um, and so I basically just had to wing it on the spot as I was filming the video. My brother that's in high school um, ended up editing it for me. So thankfully he's a little bit more tech savvy than I am. And uh, we had it ready to go and I had to send them the USB with the video and some samples. And they had about 40 pages of questions in addition to that that I had to fill out as part of the application. And those are just asking you all about your numbers and stuff like that, that they ask you on TV. Um, although I always thought I knew my numbers, but when I was filling out that application, I had to basically Google a lot of terms as I was filling it out because I didn't know what half those terms that they asked about were. Um, it's something that I would have preferred to run by um, either my intellectual property attorney or even my CPA to kind of help with that stuff. Um, but because of the quick turn and working on it over a weekend, I just had to give it my best shot and then I sent it off. And then um, after this experience, I knew that the next round, which would be a live pitch to the producers, would not give me much notice. So I started to um, prepare. So I had meetings with like my CPA to go over all those questions that I wasn't sure about and being able to have those um, answers prepared and 
be confident in the accuracy of them. Um, and then also getting displays ready in case if I were to go on the show, um, you have to bring your own displays. And I learned with the t-shirt that I wouldn't have the lead time that I need for those. So I went ahead and um, ordered those ahead of time too. So it turns out I did not make it to the fourth round. Um, the video audition was my last one. So um, I did not use like the displays that I purchased, but I still have those in case if I go to like a trade show or an expo later. And I am auditioning for season 12 too. So maybe this will be my chance to use everything. But it was definitely a nerve wracking process. Um, and I wasn't able to share about it on social media as it was going on because they tell you um, through every step that you can't disclose where you are in the audition process until I either make it onto the show and they give you the okay or until I'm out of the audition process. So it wasn't until after I had found out I was not moving on that I was able to share that process on social media. Holy cow. <laughs> that... I know it's a lot. That is a lot, because when you were talking about this process on social media, I'm like, oh, so she just shows up, shows them how the flight fill works, and boom, they're just going to decide. It's not like that, is it? No. Wow. Yeah, it was very nerve-wracking. I had no idea what, what I was signing up for when I had initially sent that email to audition for Shark Tank. I had no idea what I was getting into when I asked that question. Holy smoke, <laughs> man. But a lot of that stuff you talked about is really important with the, the intellectual property and all that other stuff that, you know, the, the laws behind it. I mean, that's really important. And uh, I actually, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when that process was all said and done, kind of remember you saying, Oof, not doing that again, but it sounds like you are. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely relieved once the process was over, just because it was so nerve wracking. Um, and once they give you, once they tell you you're moving on to the next step, and you don't have a lot of time to figure it out, it's definitely, um, it's a sprint. And so when I did find out that I wasn't moving on, I was relieved that I wouldn't have to like get ready for any more sprints. Um, but it's been almost a year since then. And I feel like I've really grown um, both as a person and like also my business too, since where I was last year. And now that I know at least up until the third round, what to expect, I feel a lot more prepared and ready to go in already have those professional t-shirts made. <laughs> I'm actually really glad to hear that you're going to try again because, again, I, I love the product. So I think it's great. And I think you're on to something really good. You're continuing to think about the branding with the t-shirts and everything else. I, I, I'm really glad that you're trying again. You're continuing to push. So, Thanks. I appreciate your support. Yeah, not that I'm your uh, life coach or anything, but as somebody who loves the product and supports what you're doing, I'm real, actually really glad to hear that. Um, oh, thank you. So one thing that you talked about that I'm really interested in hearing more about is just the patent and the intellectual property 
process of that because we've all, one time or another, have thought about, well, I'm going to invent this and I'm going to do that. But it's a whole other thing to actually come up with something tangible and mm-hmm. really do it. And anything to do with the law, as somebody who's taking copyright law in college and has actually taken some other law classes, like I know how serious that is. Um, can you just talk about the process that you've gone through with uh, the patent and what you yeah. had to do for those who uh, would like to know, like me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So when I first made the decision to bring Flight Fellow to market, I didn't want to put it out there to the world until I had my invention protected where no one else could take it from me because I know that if a big business, let's say another neck pillow manufacturer that has a ton of capital and funds um, to take it and run with it, that they could get a lot further, a lot faster than I could. And because I don't have unlimited funds or a ton of resources or even the know-how, I knew I needed to protect that idea. That way no one else could try to beat me to it. And it would give me that runway and the time that I needed to make it into um, what I know it can be. And so I didn't know anything about patents uh, when I first came up with Lightfellow. And so I just Googled a lot. And I learned that the first step is to do a provisional patent. And that's where you get the patent pending title that you hear referenced a lot on Shark Tank. And a provisional patent is valid for up to 12 months. And so when, once you decide to go the provisional patent route, you have to decide, are you going to file it yourself? Are you going to hire an IP or intellectual property attorney to file it for you? Um, and then there's also companies out there that will help you. They're not, they're patent agents. So they're not patent attorneys, but they've taken um, the bar exam and they passed without going to law school. So they can help you with certain filings, but they're not the actual attorneys and they're cheaper. So I went with that middle ground because I did not feel comfortable doing it myself, but I also didn't um, have the funds to pay for an IP attorney, which can be thousands of dollars just for the provisional patent. So I took the middle ground, filed for a provisional patent that ended up being a few hundred dollars for anyone that's looking to go that route and wanting to budget for it. And that gave me um, 12 years of protection. And so, I mean, not 12 years, I'm sorry, 12 months of protection. So then I'm able to test the waters. I was able to freely um, sell my flight fellows and promote them and not worry about someone stealing it. It saves my spot in line for the patent. And so that I gave myself those 12 months to sell flight fellows and see if it was worth the thousands of dollars it would take to get a full patent. And so um, it was kind of my proof of concept because it only took me about six or seven months before I was like, wow, I'm onto something. I am going to go forward with patenting my idea, um, which is a huge investment. It's a very scary jump to make. And I worked with my um, CPA who told me that if I did it earlier before the 12 months were up, that I would be eligible for a larger tax um, deduction as a startup cost. And so I was like, oh, okay. So now I'm more motivated to 
um, spend the money up front to turn it into a full utility patent versus waiting the whole 12 months. Like I had originally planned, I wanted to wait as long as I could so I could sell as many and have more, um, more funds to pay for the patent. And so um, to file a full utility patent, I didn't want to go with a patent agent because after talking to the people that work in the industry, people were saying that you would rather have no patent than a bad patent. Um, because if you don't have it written correctly in a way that protects you, other companies can find loopholes and then you're kind of screwed. So I decided to go with a patent attorney um, to help me write up the patent. And at that point, you can decide, do you want a utility patent? Do you want a design patent? Do you want both? And I opted to go for a utility patent because I felt like as long as I protect the functionality of my flight below, even if someone changes the design, um, that they still wouldn't be able to move forward without breaching my utility patent. And so I used an IP attorney and we filed for the utility patent and you wait nine months after filing it, sometimes longer um, to hear back and that's a negotiation with the patent office. So sometimes they will challenge some of the claims that you're making. Um, they could challenge some of the wording that you use. Um, and it's just a negotiation with them going back and forth to overcome any of the challenges that they propose. And once you reach an agreement, that's when they will grant your patent. Wow. So when all is said and done and you go through this whole process and you're very meticulous about what it is and you're being very careful to word everything right and cross all the T's, dot all the I's, as far as you know, you're the only one doing anything like this. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I do get kind of worried sometimes that other companies are going to try to create knockoffs of Flightfellow. Um, I have nightmares about it sometimes, quite literally. <laughs> um, but whenever I'm at, at like airports and everything, I always stop and I look at the neck pillow stands to see if there's anything coming out like it, especially since I have been pitching a lot of neck pillow manufacturers on um, obtaining licensing agreements with them. Uh, they are becoming very aware of my product. Um, and while they're aware of the patent and I give them the patent information, I'm always concerned that they're going to look for loopholes or workarounds. Um, but so far, I have not found anything. I always check um, online to see what kind of reinvented travel pillows are out there to see if anything's like it. But I have not found anything yet, and I hope <laughs> that I never will. Um, because although I do have the grounds, um, the rights, because of my patent, um, taking it to court would be kind of a headache. <laughs> I definitely would be up, but I'm sure it'd be a long, um, a long process and probably not a walk in the park. Wow. Yeah, I can't blame you for uh, being a little on edge about that. I mean, this is, quote, unquote, your baby. I mean, this is yeah. something that you came up with all on your own. You've been through all of these headaches and, you know, these processes. You take the, see that taking away. So I, I can't blame you for that. Uh, one thing, important part of this process, so... We know all about the patent and we know about 
how the fly flow works, but how, especially as somebody who's probably not, you know, Bill Gates or somebody like that, you know, you don't have, you know, you, you still have to work a nine to five job in order to keep all this going and to manufacture it. And uh, when all this other stuff is cleared up and you just got to make the product, how do you, as a still startup entrepreneur, how do you go about funding it and actually getting it made? Yeah, so for the initial round of production of Flight Fellows, I had to um, pay out of my own pocket to have them made, but I started in small batches. And so as I sold the product, I would reinvest that money to make more of them. And it's still the process to this day. I do it in a lot larger batches now, but I have not taken um, a penny from the company yet. I don't pay myself. It all goes back into um, making Flight Fellow have the runway to, to grow. And so we come out with different colors, different patterns. I experiment a lot with different colors and patterns to see what sells and what doesn't. And um, if I find one color or pattern isn't as favorable as some others, then I don't make any more of those. And I'll just reinvest that money into something that's um, a lot more popular. Um, it's a lot of learning. I've made some mistakes. And um, I think that's what's so comforting about working a corporate job is that if I do um, run into financial issues with like fellow, then I can help cover the costs. So for example, this whole coronavirus pandemic has been very challenging for my product because it's a travel product and we're not allowed to travel, let alone leave our houses. And so I haven't had any sales um, this month besides one. <laughs> but from having, you know, sales come in every single day to none for about a month, um, that is very difficult. And if I did not have my corporate job, I would be very concerned on how to keep Flight Fellow going until this is over. Because I don't know how long it's going to be until people are traveling again and wanting to buy travel products. Um, so it's comforting that I have my corporate job to kind of help cover the expenses, but you still have to pivot. So since I know people aren't traveling and probably won't be traveling for the next few weeks, maybe even months, I don't pay anything to advertise anymore because I know that's probably not going to result in any return on investment. So I've really cut back my costs um, to, to keep it to a minimum. and. Flightfellow is going to keep going through its own bank account as long as it can, but once it runs out, I'll probably transfer some money from my personal account to keep that going. Um, I think personally, I have to budget for Flightfellow because I do know that sometimes if I have, um, for example, if I have a large purchase order that comes in and Flightfellow doesn't have the money in the bank account to pay for the initial production because I don't get paid from wholesalers until after I have delivered the flight fellows. Um, I front that with my own personal accounts and then I'll pay myself back later. Um, and so I really don't think I would have been able to do this without having my corporate job um, and budgeting accordingly too. If I spend all my money right when I got it and I didn't save anything um, in order to have funds on the sidelines for flight fellow, that would be really difficult. Um, sometimes I've thought about doing crowdfunding and doing a Kickstarter to get more capital to grow the company. Um, 
but I've looked at other Kickstarters. I'm not sure that'd be a really great fit for Flight Philo at this time. Maybe it will be in the future, but for now I'm really trying to bootstrap it. Um, and I think it's a good motivation for myself too, because I'm like, man, if I can really get Flight Philo to take off and sell hundreds a day, then I wouldn't have to um, even budget to have money in my personal account um, on the sidelines for Flight Philo if it needs. So, yeah. So when you manufacture, like actually make it, mm -hmm. first of all, when you first started selling it, did you just make these on your own? Or no. Right to the manufacturer. And um, one additional question to this yeah. thought, how many people does it take to make a flight filler? Okay. So um, I have never made a flight fellow besides the prototype because I do not know how to sew. And so when I first had the idea for flight fellow and I wanted to make one for me personally, I enlisted my dad who thinks he can sell or sew um, to help me make one. And so we both really struggled over a sewing machine and trying to take this idea from my head and turn it into a physical product. It took weeks. <laughs> um, it was some good bonding time though. And so we sewed a prototype and I was able to use this prototype to put the idea on paper and like draw it out on what it should look like. And then I used um, the platform called Upwork to find sewing contractors that could help me make professional looking ones. And um, so I used Upwork to find some people and I would send them um, the material and I send them the drawing of what it looks like in a process for how to make it from the experience that I had with me and my dad learning to make the prototype. And so I would have different sewing contractors give it a try. The material is actually very difficult to work with. So a lot of people that had years of sewing experience would send me um, offers to make one. And after they received the material, I would get a note back that said they can't do it. Um, so that was really disheartening. But I think persistence is really key. Um, because if I had just taken the answer no the first couple times and I stopped looking, I would not be where I am. Flight Fellow would not be where it is now. Um, and so I've probably gone through maybe about 10 or more people, different sewing contractors, trying to find someone that can not only make Flight Fellows, but can do so within a reasonable price. Um, because I need to have some margin in order to cover the costs of everything else. Um, and I don't want a flight fellow to cost, you know, $30, $40 to consumers. And I also don't want to go overseas to manufacture. I'm really passionate about keeping jobs in America and supporting other small businesses. And so finding a sewing contractor that can give me a quality product for a reasonable price is difficult. But I have been very fortunate to find two wonderful sewing contractors, um, one in Washington State and one in Indiana that are able to manufacture flight fillers for me. Wow. The, the pieces that it takes just to do a product like yours is just amazing. I mean, your product is so simple, yet it, it still takes an incredible amount of thought and work and processes and steps and just so many different layers. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable. 
Yeah, I had no idea what I was getting into when I first came up with the idea. I think that ignorance is bliss because if I had knew of all the challenges that I was going to run into, I probably would have been too scared to start. Um, so it's kind of good that I didn't know what I was in for at the time. I know for me personally, sometimes when I envision something that sounds simple, I'll just be like, yeah, it just kind of works. And it just, you know, it'll just kind of go or sell or whatever. And boy, oh boy, it takes a lot of work. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, deep down that it probably does, but to hear it straight from the inventor is like amazing. You just uh -huh. hear all this. Um, so one thing that I want to know is what so far do you think is like the biggest mistake or misstep that you've had throughout the life of uh, Flyphilo? I would say um, trying to throw money at advertising was probably probably one of the most expensive mistakes that I have made just because you ever all the other companies can make it look so easy. Like I get targeted by Instagram ads all the time and then I end up um, buying stuff. And so when I invented Flightfellow, I thought to myself, I'm going to do the same thing. And I would read different articles about how much money other businesses are spending on advertising. And so then I had this crazy idea that if I had spent thousands of dollars on advertising, that I would get thousands of more dollars in sales. And it wasn't until I had implemented this idea that I found out that's not right. There's so much more that goes into it besides um, just spending money on advertising. There's a lot of strategy within the background. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that I've made is that I just jumped in way too quickly for that without doing more research on it. Now I'm a lot more strategic about how I advertise and where I put the money in and how much. Um, if I had done that from the start, I could have saved thousands of dollars. Um, but it, everything's a learning experience. So while that is one of my biggest mistakes, it was probably one of my biggest learning experiences. So um, I wish I was a little bit smarter about it from the get go or maybe if someone had told me. Um, so for anyone listening that's thinking about launching a product, don't just throw thousands of dollars in advertising. Do a lot of homework first on like target markets and um, how to set up your paid-for-click advertising. Now, what you just said, would that be one of your biggest uh, pieces of advice to an up-and-coming inventor? Do you have any other advice? I think the biggest advice that I would give to people is to be persistent. And this day and age, you can learn anything you want for free on the internet. And just because you can't find it, the answer that you're looking for right away doesn't mean it's not there. You just have to keep looking. Um, I think a lot of people think that they could just type into a Google bar how to do this and they're going to find it right away and the answer's there and if they don't see it on the first page of Google, then it's not meant to be or it doesn't exist. It does exist. You just have to look hard enough and you have to be persistent um, and try to learn everything. So 
that's my biggest piece of advice. And that's the biggest takeaway that I have learned from this whole flight fellow experience before flight fellow. I don't think I had the confidence in myself that I could do anything I wanted to do, but because of all the obstacles that I have overcome with flight fellow, where I have a situation or a problem and I don't know how to do it, but I figured it out has taught me that you could figure anything out and I don't need to pay thousands, thousands of thousands of dollars just look it up online and it might not show up on the first page of Google but if I look hard enough and really utilize the resources that are available that you can find the answer you gotta use this really, really important I want and that is so when I started going on the internet and thinking about creating a blog or creating a podcast, and especially if I go back about three years ago, it's like, okay, I want to do this thing, but how do I do it? How many layers is it going to take me to do it? And then you study up on all the different things, the social media, the actual building of the, the website, and you find out, wow, this takes a lot of work. But as you go through the process, you put yourself out there, meet people, you find that you're building up all these skills and it's not just mm -hmm. the skills of the product itself, it's building up confidence in yourself and all this other all these other lessons that you learn just from taking on having your own product or doing your own thing, something that's a dream of yours that's personal to you and I think what you said there was really important because I've gone through the same kind of thing with all the side hustles that I've done including this podcast I it's not as easy as just going to Google and saying oh I just need a mic and whatever and it, it'll just work because it takes a lot more than that to create podcasts and I'm still mm -hmm. learning I don't know it all and I'm sure you kind of feel the same way but I think I'm sure you feel like you've grown tremendously throughout this journey would you say that's accurate very accurate but even then I know that I still have so much more growing to do oh yeah no I I know it I'm only at the beginning of this part of my journey I know there's still a lot more to learn. Uh, so one thing that I do want to learn and teach others is how can they get the Flight Fellow? Well, um, Flight Fellow is sold on our website, which is www.flightfellow.com. And it's fillow, like a fillable pillow. And we're also available on Amazon Prime, which I'm sure most people have. Fantastic. And then they can find you on social media. They can find you on Twitter, Instagram. Yes. Yep. Everything is at Flight Fellow. So on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Fantastic. Well, it's been awesome and mind-blowing. I think my head is still spinning <laughs> from all the amazing information that you gave on the process for the patent and manufacturing and just your journey in general. 
And maybe I should end by saying, what's the future for you in flight, though? I know Shark Tank, I know you mentioned that there's some more product that could be put into place. Anything else that you envision for your future? Um, I would love to get Flight Fellow into airports. So that is one of the goals that I've been working towards um, right now. So hopefully one day you and other listeners will be walking through the airport on your next trip after the travel bans are lifted and you will see Flight Fellow um, at the newsstand. Well, I'll know that uh, I truly know somebody famous when I see that Flight <laughs> Fellow at the airport next time I take a flight. So, uh, whenever you do get to the next season of Shark Tank, good luck to you. I'll be pulling for you. And, uh, Appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll see you on TV, and hopefully, you'll be a big winner, and hopefully, Mark Cuban will be talking about how awesome you are, and uh, <laughs> hopefully, That's we'll see goal. all that. So, yes, yes. Fingers crossed. Well, Georgia... Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me. I know we both had to do a lot of coordination on both ends to make this happen. And believe me, I really appreciate the time and I wish you nothing but the best. So thank you for being on Mark My Words. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. That's it for now. We'll uh, have another episode coming up soon. Thanks for listening.